0: the bottom line in business voice america business
1: welcome to the money answer show with host jordan goodman whether you are starting out deep into your retirement or somewhere in between the money answer show has the know-how to help you now here's your host jordan goodman
2: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, and my guest this hour is Chuck Jaffe, who is the senior columnist at Dow Jones Market Watch. Welcome to the show, Chuck. How you doing, Jordan? Good to be with you. Uh, you are the uh, purveyor of what is known as Stupid Investment of the Week. Is that correct? Tell me how this whole column got started and, and what you're trying to accomplish with it.
3: Well, uh, yeah, I, I am the arbiter of stupid. Is, uh, and sometimes I personify it, I suppose, in my columns, but I try not to. Um, What this is, is when I moved to MarketWatch in 2003, we sort of said, you know, we want to come up with a way that that tries to, to point out where people go wrong. And we want to find an example that we can highlight the flaws and the concerns and the problem areas that make an investment, and it's very important the definition we have for it, less than ideal for the average investor. And so our whole thing is, well, we're going to spotlight one example and the hope that by showcasing the problems there, you can go off and find those problems elsewhere on your own, that you don't need our help, or you might go, you know, gee, I wonder if this is where, you know, things get into problems. So we have done almost everything you could consider an investment over time. And, And while we're stupid investment of the week... It's important that it's not the stupidest investment of the week or anything else. We're not making that kind of value judgment. And even of the week, well, you have to have it weekly. But there are times when it's right off the news and right out of what's going on. And there are times when, you know, some investments are just stupid at any time and all times. Tell me what
2: kind of reaction uh, you have gotten to the column over the years.
3: Um, Well, it depends on who. I, I have a lot of consumers who are very pleased about it and have told me I've saved them from making certain mistakes. I uh, also have a lot of companies that have threatened to sue me, although none of them ever have. Um, And I get all kinds of people telling me, uh, you know, oh, you're wrong. This is whatever. That's you never quite know. So to to me, it's one of these things that, that I'm not that worried about what somebody thinks about it. I do worry a lot about whether or not I'm wrong. Um, and, and most of the time, if I'm going to make a bad call, it's when I'm picking on a stock or a mutual fund. You know, as a general rule, something like afterthoughts birthday insurance, that's a stupid idea no matter when it is, no matter how it's looked at. There's just no way that thing can be good. Now, if you haven't heard of this, this is a fabulous one. Yeah, let's start with this. Tell, tell
2: us about that one.
3: Afterthoughts birthday insurance is literally... Uh, a life insurance policy designed to make sure that when you are gone, your grandchildren will get a card and a check from you each day, each year on their birthday. So let's try to put this in perspective. If you are 65 and your kids just had, you know, your first grandchild Mm -hmm. and you think, what a fabulous idea this is. I want to make sure that my child, get, and my grandchild, you know, remembers me each year and gets something for me each year on their birthday. So I buy this insurance policy. Now, you live to be 80. How
2: much does it cost, roughly?
3: Uh, it's a couple hundred bucks okay. a year, basically. And you're setting up this policy. You buy this policy. Um, and the idea is that that you live 15 more years. You're paying in every year right you're putting your money aside okay. um, or you can buy it on a one-time only option when you and each year you take care of your grandchild you die from then on your grandchild gets a card the same exact sentiment every year it's set in stone as is your your current residence once you're buried uh and they get a check for a hundred bucks or Two hundred bucks every year for the rest of their life. So they get money
2: and uh, a card, as well. and a but, card. But uh-huh. the card
3: is as personal as you can make it in something like fifty characters. I
2: right? see. Okay. Okay.
3: And and oh, by the way, so so they get that card for the first time when they're sixteen, but they're going to get the exact same card and the exact same check when they're sixty-six. So just think about sort of how icky that is. I mean, I love my grandparents, and I think about them frequently. But if I were getting a birthday card from my grandparents 30 years after one of them had died, that'd be a little icky to me. <laughs> just a, I mean, right? Right. Um, in fact, if they wanted to do you know, it, 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 even when they're dying at 16, you know, if they died when you were 16 or something along those, lines, okay, you could see it for a couple of years, but they can set the money aside to do that. And in fact, you could certainly make the case that if... if They took the money that they're putting into the insurance policy and instead put it in a savings account and said, you know what, when I pass on, this money's going to wind up going to you. They give you something that you wind up saying, oh, that that paid for my trip to Europe or that paid for whatever, right? And you then get to say, well, grandma and grandpa, you know, when they left, they left me something that I was able to do something special with. Think about it as well. That $100, you know, hey, it comes in the card every year. How much do you think that's going to be worth 60 years from now? Seventy years from now, right? Every year, you're getting that same check. And by the way, that hundred bucks is going to be pretty chintzy five decades into
2: the future. <laughs> so, so the idea is you're it's capitalizing on people's emotions. Is, is, is Oh, like absolutely.
3: This. And and almost is this a common theme does that m- can that is fodder for stupid investment of the week.
2: That, so that's common theme amongst the stupid investments is to have playing on emotions. Is that uh, right?
3: Emotions is certainly one of those things that that many. Of the bad insurance policies that we have looked at. Like the Gerber grow-up plan, which you see advertised on television. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: The Gerber grow-up plan is a bad idea. It just is. Why do you need to have whole life insurance on a child when the child has no income? You know, unless your kids are Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. In which case, by the way, they have enough money that they don't actually need the policy. What are you insuring against if, if they're somebody, on the
2: on the an ivory snow box or something like that, as child yeah, models, then...
3: Yeah, well, that would be that would be fine. But at that point, they're making enough money that, that they can sort of self-insure.
2: I see. Uh-huh. And, I
3: mean, isn't it kind of icky? Is it going to make you feel better if your child dies that you got a, an insurance settlement? Yeah. I, I don't think so.
2: Let, let's be, stay in the insurance area. What are some other things that you would consider stupid investments in the insurance arena?
3: Um... Almost all burial insurance policies are, are bad investments because of the way they're structured. But I'll, I'll go a step further. If, if your audience is out there and they watch television at all when they're not busy listening to you on the radio, they will see advertisements for insurance policies, etc. cetera, and, and maybe they think, I wonder who in their right mind calls in to find out about this insurance. And the answer is I do, pretty much every single time. Almost any insurance policy you see advertised on television is a bad deal for consumers. And the reason is that the huge selling point is you'll never have a medical exam. You'll never have, you know, anything other than maybe three questions. Are you still breathing? Uh, You know, are you a smoker? So you pay the I mean, policy. That's the only question they ask. Well, once you do that, you're making a policy for the masses. Yeah, And there are plenty of people out there who go, well, you know, I'm not a good risk because I take blood pressure medication. Well, blood pressure medication does not hurt you. It doesn't make you an insurance risk anymore. It used to, but it doesn't today. And so unless you have one foot already in the grave almost certainly these policies are way too expensive and they're bad ideas as a general rule because they're offering you you get five thousand ten thousand dollars worth of coverage as a general rule insurers don't write policies that small so it's really expensive and for somebody who wants serious coverage for the same amount you're spending for 10 grand on you know a garden state life end of life type policy you get 100 grand if you wanted to in term insurance if you're in moderate health today So, invariably, that's where the insurance policies go bad, that that once you put them up as as, this is right for everybody, it's almost wrong for everyone.
2: So this is the adverse risk that they call it, uh, adverse selection, where the people who can't get insurance anywhere else are going to go here. Exactly. And and therefore, they're going to have a very high claim experience, and therefore, the costs are going to be much higher. And and you're you're also paying for the advertising and all the TV uh, time as well.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, it's one of those things that, that... those policies talk about being right for everybody they're only right for people who have one foot in the grave if you don't have one foot in the grave go do something else if you want insurance even though i don't like pretty much anything like a like a burial policy but if you want it go ahead and and get it to me by the way burial policies the issue there is pretty simple go instead and pre-plan your funeral and pay for that in advance over time, rather than paying for an insurance policy that may or may not cover the costs. And that's really what you're trying to do, is cover the costs.
2: We're about to go to a break here, Chuck. Tell people how they can find your column, uh, if they're not getting it automatically, what website and so on do they go to?
3: Easiest place to find my work is MarketWatch.com. Stupid Investment of the Week is up every Friday. And um, you can find my work there, not only Stupid Investment of the Week, but my other columns.
2: Very good. And and you also have a radio show to tell people about as well.
3: I do. I have a radio show that airs live uh, early in the morning in Boston on on WBIX. It's Your Money Radio. You can find it at yourmoneyradio.com. And the greatest hits from that show become podcasts that are available at MarketWatch. Find that at marketwatch.com slash podcasts. And root around and you'll find your money with Chuck Jeff.
2: Very good. Okay, we're going to go to a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Chuck Jaffe, who, as you can see, is the, the king of stupid investments of the week uh, at uh, Dow DowJonesMarketWatch.com, and we'll be back after this. All
0: we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk, talk money, money all, all the, time. the time. Voice America Business. and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sanjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business.
1: Both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers.
0: All we talk about is money. Call us toll free, 866 472 5790, and talk to the experts. We talk Talk money money all all the time. Voice America Business.
1: You've been listening to the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, and my guest this hour is Chuck Jaffe, uh, who is a columnist at Dow Jones uh, Market Watch, who does a weekly column called Stupid Investments of the Week. Welcome back to the show, Chuck. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Let's stay in the insurance area a little bit. Other than uh, burial insurance and some things we talked about, how about annuities? Do you often have problems with
3: annuities? I have problems with annuities, but I also sometimes have problems reporting on annuities because the paperwork that you really need to find uh, to to go through certain annuity products uh, can be extremely difficult to get. I mean, let's put it like this. There is not an insurance company alive today that really wants to give me the keys to the kingdom and let me see all of their documents on how this or that annuity is structured because they have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to do with it. Um, in I'm general, though, what problems uh, do you
2: have with annuities?
3: Well, for starters, I do believe, and it's important that I say this, that, that uh, there are certain annuities that I like in many cases. Um, you know, a lot of people can use fixed annuities creatively, et cetera, um, and I think that that's appropriate. And even with the ones I don't like, I think that there are cases where they work fine. My problem becomes a lot of the ways that these things are sold. And let's face it, an annuity is sold. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, okay, let's see, On my list of things to do today. I'm going to go to the post office, stop at the grocery store, pick up some orange juice, and then go pick up a variable annuity on the way home. Um, My problem with many annuities, especially uh, my biggest problem area with annuities these days is equity indexed annuities.
2: They're very popular these days.
3: They're extremely popular, and some of them are okay products, but some of them are not. And, and invariably, there's a number of things that go on because you're told, okay, you're going to get some market participation, right? The idea is you'll get the increase of the Standard & Poor's 500 up to a certain point, but you'll get downside protection. So if the index is lagging, you won't lose any money. Um, and, and possibly, uh, depending on how it's structured, you could even be in a situation where, under those circumstances, you get something like a money market rate for that period of time. So what's wrong with that? Well, nothing inherently. But generally, what happens is you're, it's a very expensive way to invest. If you truly wanted to say, you know what, I need to make sure that I've lost no money or that my, my portfolio is at this level 10 years from now, Right. Do the math, and that's what this is supposed to be doing is, hey, you know what your guarantee is. You won't lose more than this, or the minimum you're going to have at the end of your 20-year period is this amount of money. Mm -hmm. If you truly knew that that's what you needed to do, and you said, you know what? I need to make sure that at the end of this period, I have X dollars. You should go buy a zero-coupon bond that you feel comfortable with, that at the end of the period is going to deliver you that money. And with whatever you save as the difference, go and invest that, and you'll come out ahead. You'll still have the guarantee, and you'll come out way ahead because you're not paying nine percent off the top for the guy who's selling this to you. But the other side of it is that, as a general rule, your market gains are capped monthly, and they exclude things like dividends. So, if the S and P 500 index goes up between you know March the first and March the thirtieth by ten percent, if your monthly gain is capped at five percent that extra five percent you never see you you don't ever see it if the s p 500 only goes up two percent then you'd be okay you'd get all of it except you still wouldn't get the dividend effect okay dividends aren't a big thing but they're two or three percent a year you're just giving them up again if you went and did this yourself you wouldn't create your portfolio this way Mm -hmm. I also worry a lot about surrender charges and people getting in and locking up their money in ways that they don't want it to be locked up. And, you know, when you take a look at it, there are a lot of very popular equity index annuity products today, and it's a very small minority of of the, the public that can use them properly. The vast majority of the people would be better off getting, splitting their money, Taking a zero coupon bond that they trust is going to get them what they want and putting the rest in an index fund, and they're almost certain to come out way ahead.
2: Yes, but as you say, this is something that people wouldn't normally do because they're not being sold that strategy, they're being sold this other one that has. People often don't realize the amount of commissions involved in these insurance policies.
3: Oh, absolutely.
2: And, and usually and, people and are that's getting it up front. Part of the yes uh, let's let's move to mutual funds because I know that you've, you've covered mutual funds for a long time Chuck and again I'm speaking to Chuck Jaffe uh, who's the columnist at the uh, senior uh, market columnist at uh, Market watch uh, Dow Jones Market watch uh, in, in uh, he's based in Boston his uh, weekly column is called stupid investments of the week uh, let's let's move to mutual funds which you've looked at for a long time what are some of the the stupid kinds of mutual funds you see out there
3: well just last week, my pick for stupid investment of the week was the Van Wagner funds, which are truly one of the all-time stinkers in terms of fund families. But in this case, it was actually something that they did specifically that got him into trouble, which is that they basically Garrett Van Wagner, the guy who started the fund company 12 years ago, finally decided to hire other managers to come and take over the funds, basically acknowledging that he sucks at this. He had a good year or two, but he's been horrible. So he stinks at this. He's bringing in new sub-advisors. This is a fund that has gotten into quicksand. You know, there's a certain point in quicksand where the more you struggle, the faster you sink. Mm-hmm. And these guys are... It makes no sense why this fund, these funds are not just liquidated. So they come out with a press release talking about, hey, this is great for, for investors because we're bringing in other managers. Do you think any great fund manager is going to say you know i know i'm going to go saddle myself with one of the worst records in history for the ability to manage a small amount of money because i think i can do a lot better i don't think they were getting great managers here in fact when you looked at the managers that they hired you said "Eh, so what it wasn't like it was a huge upgrade one of them had been involved in a in a mutual fund an open-ended mutual fund and you that fund actually was almost as bad as Van Wagner. So, congratulations, you're not getting an upgrade. No. When you see a fund rooting around like that, get out of it. Um but I also recently did the um the direction PSI Calendar Effects Fund. Okay. Gimmick funds are always good for for my column. They are always something that um that I can pick on. Uh this is a fund, the ticker symbol for anybody who wants to check it out is PCALX. And, um, well, the whole idea of the it, it, you wrote a, a, a dictionary on on investment terms. Right. Calendar effect is one of these things that it makes it, and it's fun to write about. Like of all the financial terms, we love things like calendar effect. Right. Cal- calendar effects, the idea is that that. You know, Whether it's the Santa Claus rally in December or the first and last few days of a calendar quarter, there are certain times, based on things that are going on, that you'll want to be in the market or you don't want to be in the market. That's mm-hmm. the basics of calendar effects. Right. Well, the Direction PSI Calendar Effects Fund basically spends most of the time keeping its powder dry in money market instruments, waiting for just the right time based on long-established patterns of institutional investor behavior um to, to basically invest based on the accounting period the tax events or other calendar related phenomenon.
2: But based know, on back testing right that's the idea that they've tested this throughout history yeah it?
3: backtesting is, is inherently if somebody tells you they've got an idea and hey this had this worked because we show this works because we did back testing, you know they're they're basically showing you a stupid investment of the week. Backtesting is one of the most dangerous things out there. Um, I just was, I gave a talk to a local American Association of Individual Investors group and, uh, and they were asking about backtesting and I said, look, you know, that's like going back and, and trying to figure out what would Roger Clemens have done if he hadn't taken or if he did take or if he gave the, the same substance to somebody else, this is, you, you can't go back in time and do it, you, you just can't, and even if you could, if you suddenly said, well, look, today's theories and today's ability to do something in the market, we just sort of applied it to what was there in the past. Understand that when you applied it to what was there in the past, you said, and only one person, that being me, the guy doing the back testing was smart enough to see it. Let's face it, any market theory that you and I know about, any trading device, any any security strategy, there's not any strategy out there that only one guy is doing. There's always somebody else. And as soon as you have more into the mix, and oh, by the way, something shows promise, then there's a whole bunch of people doing it. And that changes the entire market. So you can't go back and change history the way some of these guys want. So the direction PSI calendar, because I've I've digressed, basically is trying to beat the S&P 500 with a lot less risk by keeping your money in the market for roughly one-third of the days of the year. And the rest of the time, it's supposed to be in a money market fund. Here's the problem. You'd be better off just putting your money in a money market fund. This fund has done so badly that that over the last three years, the average money fund is about 4.3%. And the PSI um, calendar directions, or calendar effects fund, which started in April of 2005, its return is less than 2.5%.
2: Okay. We've got to go to a break. This is very interesting, Chuck. Uh, this again is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Chuck Jaffe, who's a senior columnist at Market Watch. We're talking about stupid investments of the week, and we'll be back after this.
0: All we talk about is money. Call us toll free, 866 472 5790, and talk to the experts. We talk, talk money, money all, all the, time. the time. Voice America Business.
1: both their products and services are invited to become members of the money answers network the public can sign up for membership in the money answers network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources to learn more visit www.moneyanswers.com get ahead with money answers
2: what i want to be when i grow up by johnny
1: dad it's john i got the promotion we'll call him john jr
0: You'll speak over 500 million words in your lifetime, but none of them will be as important as the words you use to tell your six-year-old he has cancer. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council sell buy buy sell all we talk about is money talk to an expert call now now toll free 866-472-5790 866-472-5790 voice america business
1: you've been listening to the money answer show with jordan goodman if you have a question for jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to jordan
2: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, and my guest this hour is Chuck Jaffe, uh, who's a senior market columnist at MarketWatch. Uh, you can find out his column, his weekly column called Stupid Investment of the Week at uh, MarketWatch.com. Welcome back to the show, Chuck. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about uh, multi-level marketing and, and what some of the uh, downfalls of that and some of the, the crazy, stupid things you see happening in that
3: space. Well, let me tell you, that that is one of those things that is almost guaranteed to uh, generate more hate mail than pretty much anything else i, I I do. Um, multi-level marketing is one of those cases where you know plenty of things seem like good ideas. And, and what you need to realize, and, and the way I sort of come to it, is, again, if there's a business idea, if there's something out there where somebody's saying, oh, you can do this, you can sell this, this will work for you, I am invariably looking at it. And I guess the classic case for me with multi-level marketing that I wrote about most recently was was um, last summer I did a, a column on Zango juice. Now Zango juice is the juice of the mangosteen supposedly in a formula that is proprietary because you could go to your local health food store and get mangosteen juice and, and by the way it's quite tasty. I actually did, did taste some. I certainly don't have a problem with it that way. Okay. But what happened was the way I came upon Zango Juice was that uh, basically I saw something that said, "Hey, you know, income opportunity. Want more information? Click here." Next thing I know, I'm being called by somebody telling me, "You know, I've got a home-based business that you're going to make a fortune on." Now, what this really is is that you can go off and and let's take the product as an aside here. The product might be great, but even whether it is or isn't the basic idea is: well you're going to become a member you're going to buy some product for yourself then you're going to find other people to buy the product as well and inherently those people are also going to take this on as a business and you of course will get paid for not only what they buy but what they in turn sell you'll get a piece of that and uh it, it's just one of those things that you take a look and you go, okay, I can recognize that somebody who's at the front of this, I mean, I, I've always said, somebody, somebody asked me the other night, they t- asked me to talk about Ponzi schemes, and I said, you know, Ponzi schemes are not bad as long as you're like the second investor. Right? <laughs> right? And in multi-level marketing, if you're the second or third or fifth guy, it might be great. Yeah. I mean, if you believe Zango Juice, they sold $50 million worth of products in their first full year and 150 million a year later and they expect a billion in revenues within seven years by the way it took pepsi cola according to a guy from zango juice more than 34 years right yeah and and it's great you get this message and the guy was like oh how would you have liked to have invested in mcdonald's when they started out well i don't know i don't think mcdonald's and zango juice are the same thing
2: yes so, I mean, people would always refer to Amway or Mary Kay Cosmetics as, you know, multi-level that work big time for many, many people.
3: And and they can. But you have to recognize that there's a huge difference between the average person and that person for whom it truly works. When I talked to the Zango Juice folks, they came out right away and said that basically, you uh, they had 700,000 distributors worldwide and 70% of them really don't care about the business end of it and have decided that they can't make a go of it. And roughly 30% try to use it eventually as a business opportunity and some measure of them succeed. Well, what that means is that for everybody who started off down this road and said, this is my business opportunity, your success rate is no better than one in four. And truth be told, I believe their numbers are optimistic.
2: What are some of the other multi-level marketing things you're seeing today that you think are pretty dubious?
3: Well, I mean, you see a lot of things in the, in the um, cosmetic area. I haven't spent a lot of time looking at them. I've got something. I don't want to give away things that are coming to too great an extent. But on my radio show, one of our features that we do is called a journey through infomercial hell. And not surprisingly, some of the things that we talk about sometimes morph into stupid investments of the week. Mm -hmm. One of my favorites that we just did a couple of weeks ago was on a company called ITV Ventures. And the infomercial that they do is all about going into the infomercial business. Uh And what it says is, you know, the guys who are selling you no money down, and I've been to those seminars and, uh, you know, Invest in the stock market seminar. I've been to those, too. Uh, You know, the guys who are selling those seminars, the people who get there, they're not making money. It's the guys who are selling them the seminars who are making money. Good point. This is an infomercial person saying precisely what I've said for years. So the guy goes on to say, you need to be in the infomercial business. You need to be where, where you're on the selling end. How can you do that? You can become our business partner. We make infomercials for cosmetic companies and and companies that make natural cures and we run our infomercials and you spend well they don't tell you on the infomercial but it's 500 600 a thousand dollars depending on which package you want you get a little clicker and basically when you want you can sit at home and answer their calls and take their orders right Mm -hmm. that's your business and so so they say you know we run the infomercials you get the phone calls you process the business through for us and you get your cut of what these people buy there's your multi-level marketing etc and on the one hand I'm sure there is somebody making money doing this and on the other hand I'm not sure that's actually being putting yourself in the infomercial business so that's one that I've looked at recently that um now, let's just say it's on my radar screen.
2: How about some other things before we go to the break in multi level marketing? Just some, we, we, we got the idea about multi level, but well, some one, other problems. One that I
3: didn't that, that I don't necessarily consider multi level marketing, but that is right in there with it. Um, Kevin Trudeau, the guy who who's behind debt cures, you know, he did all the natural cures stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, now he has debt cures. They don't want you to know about. Right. It's not multi level marketing, but it is arguably one of the dumbest books ever written. And oh, for the privilege of spending. Uh, two to three times what you'd spend if you went and bought any normal book on the subject that could help you at least as much. You'll not only overspend, but then they will will basically hump your leg until you buy a whole bunch of other products and a newsletter and this and that. So you think you're buying the book and you wind up with all this other stuff. And oh, by the way, you have a debt problem because why else would you be buying debt cures they don't want you to know about? <laughs>
2: So why does the FTC not close these things down? And why is there not more government regulation that are things that are clearly ripping people off? Well,
3: you know, in Kevin Trudeau's case, the FTC went after him on all the natural cure stuff, mm-hmm. and that's why he started debt cures. I see, because it's not a natural. You know, you, you can't really make any claims that would get him into significant trouble. That's the great. That's the great part about this. If you're that kind of marketer, I mean, I think when you also take a look at. at many of the things if if you watch the infomercials for the software packages it's always results will vary here's our testimonial results will vary so they get away with it because they're saying well this guy made a lot of money I'm not saying you're going to make a lot of money I'm just Uh, saying here's somebody who did and oh by the way they did if you do what they did maybe you'd get similar results
2: are many of the testimonials in these infomercials false? in fact are not real people
3: Um, No, I believe most of them are real people, but in one or two cases, I have found that, you know, the person giving the testimonial, you then go to the company's website and it tells you, like, who the instructors are for this trading company or that educational company, and the investment seminar is being run by a guy who is supposedly Joe the customer in the testimonial. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. I think in some cases, they're also getting people who have made their first deal. You know, uh, you, you ask them... Gee, did you you know what do you think of it? well I made my first deal and I made, you know, $2,000 in 3 weeks. Well, that's great. And and more power to you. But let me talk to you after you've been, you, you you know what you never see on those things? A year later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and so has been doing this for 6 years. Right? right? I mean, right. I, if you're going to sort of give up the rest of your life and say I want to go try to be able to do this and totally change my life with it, I want to see one that says, you know, this one has made $100,000 for the last 10 years on average, you know, every year. And by the way, some of these programs, things like Invest Tools, which has never been a stupid investment of the week. I, I should point out I've never been to an Invest Tools. Somehow they always schedule things when I can't go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Invest Tools has a very long history. We actually
2: have to go to a break, Chuck. Very good. Well, we're having a good time here with Chuck Jaffe, who's the senior columnist at Market Watch, who has a column called "Stupid Investments of the Week." Uh, this is Jordan Goodman, your host, and we'll be re- we'll be back right after this.
0: Stocks, bonds, 401Ks, investments, refinancing. We can help you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. Money, money. Up to date business and financial news. Money, money. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. Voice America Business.
1: You've been listening to the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, and my guest this hour is Chuck Jaffe, uh, who is the columnist at uh, Dow Jones Market Watch. He has a column called Stupid Investments of the Week. Before we get back into it, Chuck, just to, again one more time, tell people how they can find your column and your radio show and so on.
3: Yeah, it's, it's easy enough to find my, my columns are at MarketWatch.com. And aside from Stupid Investment of the Week, I write a weekly column on mutual fund investing and a, a broad interest, whatever I feel like writing about personal finance kind of column. And then my radio show is Your Money Radio. It is at yourmoneyradio.com. We keep five days of shows in our streaming archive and 30 days in the podcast archive. And you can go there, and we pretty much run the gamut. Uh, And I should point out, Jordan Goodman was... Pretty much our first guest ever.
2: When we Absolutely. Started the show. <laughs> All right. We've talked about uh, various kinds of insurance policies and annuities. We've talked about multi level marketing. Uh, we've talked about some mutual funds. Let's talk about stocks. What, what are some of the things you're seeing in the stock market that uh, count as stupid investments of the week, and, and how should people weed out the good from the bad in the stock market?
3: Well, I, I think right now you're seeing a lot of people uh, sort of go back to something I, I wrote about in. Um, back in in december one of my my stupid investment of the week picks was cost plus and the whole idea was how investors love rebounds and you take a once lofty stock and it's falling on hard times and they're doing the right things to try to get back you know to those heights and you think yeah you know i like this company i like this name it, you know not every drop Makes a buying opportunity, and that's a story we have to tell fairly often. Um, in the case of Cost Plus, uh, it was trading at about five dollars and eighty-one cents uh, when I first wrote about it. It's now at about three dollars and fifty-one cents. And for stupid investment of the week with a stock, let me point out that there's a very specific criteria that I try to follow, which is I want I expect as a general rule with a stock to see a twenty to twenty-five percent decline prior to any point where I'm going to see a gain of about 20%, 15 to 20%. So, sometimes we'll have something that'll sort of muddle along and it won't do much of anything. Um, But, the reason that I have that there is that if you buy a stock and you could see it having 25% downturn, the average investor studies show 25% loss, the average investor's gone. So, if you buy like, oh, this is some great idea, it's going to be the next fabulous stock. If you buy it today, And you're right, long term. But you buy it today and it's still overpriced, or this product hasn't come through the pipeline, or that drug hasn't gotten approval, or whatever it is, and the stock drops by 25%, the average investor will get out. If after they're out, your forecast becomes the right one, and hey, the stock goes on to great things, it doesn't make a difference. All they got was the 25% decline. So I'm always looking for those things, and frequently i think right now the big theme is well everything's been beaten down to where it's a value again you're starting to hear people say well you know the market may not have reached a bottom but it's close well if that's the case you know you've got a lot of things out there that suddenly look um like they're cheap and in this case it's the wrong kind of value trap i mean the other side of that is uh, frequently i write about stocks where where you know people love them but you have to look at the at at the value that's involved and go uh this is horrible i don't want
2: you're you're seeing these days many and i get these things all the time these mailers uh in you know all kinds of glossy pictures and so on with these incredibly dense um uh disclaimers yeah uh,
3: well, a lot of them
2: being penny stocks are, are, are any of those good or you should just avoid all of I, those
3: i have never found one that's good but here's what i'd like you to do jordan just gather up all that stuff when you get it and send it on to me, because I never get enough of that.
2: Oh, I've, I, I see love them all the time. things. I, um, yeah. <laughs> Excuse I, t- me. I tend to find, they, they follow what's hot in the market. So if gold is going up, you get a lot of gold stocks. If China is hot, you get a lot of Chinese stocks. If oil is hot, you get a lot of oil stocks, those kind of things.
3: Well, I had two, because I, I try not to do the same story over and over and over again. Um, one of my favorites, I, got, I had two of those fairly recently. One was, it was in November. I got the Energy Stock of the Year pick from a supposed economic advice newsletter, a newsletter I had never heard of, right? Yes. So here's this special thing, and it was Pure Biofuels Corporation. And back when it moved, it was trading at 73 cents, and today it's trading at about 33 cents. And what you really have to read on those things is some of the fine print because uh, when, you, when you go through it, you'll find frequently the company's not involved in any of this stuff. I could never reach the guy from the newsletter, but you looked, and it, it basically said the newsletter sold out. It, it said that the guy who ran the newsletter was paid five grand for endorsing the campaign, and as the endorser is no way responsible for any of the financial figures that the company distributes. That would be like you or me saying, hey, if you just give us a big paycheck... We'll let you say anything you want in our space. Right. <laughs> and and the idea was, well, this is advertising for his newsletter, and he was getting paid for it. But once you see that stuff and you go on, it, it was great. You'd, you'd look at the, you go further into the fine print. And and in the case of pure biofuels, it said that there was some company I can't remember the name of it that was paid like one point three million dollars.
2: Yes, that's for right. Creating, there was printing, specific.
3: marketing, and postage on the circular. That's well, right. You don't have nobody's telling you who that company is, but chances are it's not the company you know that. that is behind it, it's somebody else, and that that guy's selling behind it, et cetera. My other favorite from last year was was Amish Natural Foods. Did you get that one? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah, Amish Natural Foods, which, let me tell you, um, it, there's a guy named Scott Frazier who runs a, I think it's called the Natural Contrarian. Contrarian newsletter. Letter.
2: Letter. That's right. Uh-huh.
3: And his newsletter, if you look at the Hulbert Financial Digest for performance, his newsletter, literally, the performance is so bad, it goes out of the performance chart and crosses over the text below it. <laughs> okay? It, it is... I, I have... I've, I've never made it stupid investment of the week because one of the things I believe is you have to have a buying case. Like I, the reason that you don't pick the worst mutual fund in history to be stupid investment of the week is that who would buy it at mm-hmm. this point? <laughs> you have to have a buying case, and the you know so so I don't know who trusts this guy, but he was behind this stock, and a bunch of other people were behind this stock, and yeah, I used to live in Amish country, and and you know. Amish food just never stuck out at me as like this is a delicacy. People were not flocking to the area where I lived to try to get Amish pasta of all things. That's what that was their first product was Amish pasta. Yes, I, I didn't. I, I I lived there. I've eaten plenty of Amish food. I did not know that pasta was the specialty. Um, you're just and, out of the and,
2: loop, Chuck. I guess you're just out of the loop here. You know.
3: Well, and and it wound up being Amish Naturals was a stock that. Uh, It actually had, it wasn't a penny stock. Uh, I'm trying to remember where it was. It was about $3 when I wrote about it. It's trading at about a buck and a half today.
2: Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to come to a close here. This has been lots of fun. Uh, This again is Jordan Goodman, your host of the Money Answer Show. And my uh, guest this hour has been Chuck Jaffe, uh, who's the senior uh, columnist at MarketWatch. You can see his column, Stupid Investment of the Week, at uh, MarketWatch.com. It's been lots of fun, Chuck. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jordan.